Hey there, we at Blue Wire wanted to thank you for your continued support of this podcast. With over 90 podcasts across our network, we are committed to bringing you great content to fill that sport-shaped hole in your heart. To find more Blue Wire pods, search for us on iTunes or check out bluewirepods.com. And remember, one day sports will return and it will be glorious. Thanks for listening. On to the show. Blue Wire. The Denver Nuggets select Michael Porter Jr. But I'm going to make sure that this pick is this organization's best pick they've ever made. Morris inside. Jokic, 23. Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, your home for all Colorado sports. And this show is presented by Bet Online, who you will hear a little bit more about here in the next couple minutes. This is going to be a very fun show because what I got the opportunity to do was kind of start a new series, something that's kind of been bodied at the back of my brain for a while now, which is let's get every single one of the Nuggets media members that cover the team on a day-to-day basis and discuss the different concerns that they have going forward about this Nuggets team and their ability to truly contend for an NBA title. The reason that I'm doing this is I want to find a common consensus amongst people who are on the ground on a day-to-day basis just like I am covering this Nuggets team as to what is holding them back from being the best version of themselves. So in order to do that, I'm going to have a bunch of people on. Brendan Vogt will be the first one who is going to be on this show today. And then after that, I'm going to have Nick Cosmider, Adam Mades. I'm going to have Harrison Wynn. You'll hear Matt Moore on this podcast. You'll hear Kendra Andrews. There's a bunch of people that I'm going to try and get on this show. And by the time that I get most of them on, I think there are going to be some correlating issues and concerns that exist, and then we can then address them and talk about what the Nuggets can do to fix those issues and be able to push themselves forward to try and create a better situation for themselves as well as their organization for not just this year or next year, but multiple years down the line. So I think it's a very interesting podcast. I think it's a great conversation that we had. We managed to talk about uh, the Nuggets, you know, they're push for a second star, whether it's Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr., and whether Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray can coexist on a floor together, whether ownership will be willing to pay the tax, with all of these different ideas to kind of just paint a picture of what may be holding the Nuggets back. So, I hope you guys listen to the whole thing. It's kind of a long one. Brendan and I talked for quite a while, but... Overall, it's a lot of fun podcast, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So, we're going to take our first quick break, give you a word from Terrapin Care Station, and I will be back on the other end with my conversation with Brendan Vogt. Thank you. 
With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you would be entirely wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they are bringing Vegas to you. You missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations that you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even Nathan's hot dog eating contest. All of it is open 24 hours a day and all of it is entirely online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. to the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, your home for all Colorado sports. And we are going to get into some fun stuff today because I have a very, very special birthday guest. And this is the thing. You want, you might know Brendan because we pick and potted way back in the day together. Like doing two, all years ago. <laughs> two, two years ago. It does feel like a decade ago. <laughs> Isn't it bizarre? Like We were in the Mile High Sports podcast studio at like 3 a.m., Three years ago to the day. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. bizarre to think about back in the day. But yes, Brendan Vogt Another of DNVR Sports. So it's, it's a pleasure to have you here, man. Dude, Happy it's birthday good. to you. Thanks, man. Thanks. Happy to come on. Like, I know you were like, oh, you don't have to do this if it's your birthday. But I wanted to. It's been so long. And these are mm-hmm. usually fun. And you and I were just talking off the pod. I'm, a, I'm like too depressed to talk about or think about basketball almost right now. Like, yes. by myself, you know what I mean? Yes, Like, I don't sure. want to marinate on takes or, like, it all just feels so futile, almost. Mm-hmm. But it's different shooting the shit with a friend. And uh, you you sent that birthday tweet today of us getting stranded in Rollins, Wyoming. <laughs> which I had Should we relive about. this story? Should we, like, give the background for people who might not know what's going on? Yeah, where were we again? Oh, we were coming home from that jazz game. Utah yeah, jazz so game. we drove from Denver to Salt Lake to cover the Jazz Nuggets game. The same game that Mason Plumley and Derek Favors got in a kerfuffle. That Wild was a fr- from it was just so much ridiculous fun in that game. But our way back did not go according to plan. We decided, you know what we should do? Not take the mountain road because <laughs> it's the winter. Why would you take the mountain road? So we instead decided to drive through Hoth from Star Wars, where it was literally just miles of ice on also, either direction also of known the road. As Wyoming in Dude, January. I don't, I don't remember, remember what, what even I, was. I, yeah. beats me, but. We are driving in the middle of the night at this point. It is dark. Wind is blowing. Like the snow is blowing sideways. The roads are so icy, and the wind is so bad. The highway gets closed in a place called Rollins, Wyoming, best known for its single dominoes, the more hotels than any other business in yeah, the entire city, the top and a industry, prison. The top industry in Rollins, Wyoming, is you getting stranded in Rollins, <laughs> Wyoming. I will never forget walking into that liquor store because if you get stranded in Wyoming and Rollins, Wyoming, you're going to the liquor store first. Let me make that very clear. But we stopped there and we're walking through and this guy is like so amazed that somebody is there and he's like talking to us and won't stop. And he proceeds to tell us the story. That somebody got stuck in Rollins, Wyoming, got their car impounded, had to work at a Domino's for like six weeks just to get out of yeah. Rollins, Wyoming. Which 
leads me to my theory. It's that guy, and he never got out, and mm-hmm. he's talking about himself. And it, at that point, when he started talking, I started getting the feeling that I should just, like, check behind us to make sure <laughs> someone's not about to whack us over the head with, like, a plank of wood. Yeah, wearing a scream mask. Like, it's like the beginning of a horror movie that we started out in. I, I live a privileged uh, privileged life, TJ. I'm not usually in, in fear of a potential kidnapping. But I was moment, there that night. <laughs> my spidey senses were high. They had one bar in the whole town, and it was called Bar. If you yeah. want to know what Rollins is like. And we didn't so, go. I will never forget getting out of the car to go into the hotel and getting hit by like 80 mile an hour winds and like being unable to close your car door. What a just ridiculous experience. And then we wake up in the morning because we couldn't see anything beyond like five feet. And there's a prison across the street from our hotel that is apparently like a super max prison or some crazy shit. I love that like, you know, different people have different tastes. Wyoming is gorgeous, but you and I are coastal city people. So like Wyoming yeah. is the other end of the spectrum, right? Yes. But even that that said, like, there's levels to this. Like, there's being stuck in, in gorgeous scenic Wyoming, and there's being stuck in Rollins, which 100% of Wyomans, Wyoming, Wyomingites? <laughs> Wyomingites. I'm sticking with that us. one. <laughs> Is the single shittiest place in Wyoming. My favorite part of posting that video today was Andy Bailey, who lives in Wyoming, immediately responded with, this is Rollins, isn't it? And I just, like, immediately started laughing. It was just such a surreal moment. We watched tennis until, like, 4 a.m. getting shit-faced for no reason. And a lot of practical jokers. Which I don't... I don't laugh at practical jokers. Um, impractical jokers. Impractical jokers. Slander is not allowed on the in, Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast. In Denver, but in Rollins, that sh- that was hilarious. Also, how many episodes of Impractical Jokers exist? I feel like I've binge-watched in insomniac ways, like, thousands of episodes, and I've never seen a duplicate. Like, I don't know what it is, but I feel like they are just out 24-7 causing chaos in the streets of New York, and I Probably. appreciate them for that. It's a decent life to live. It's a better <laughs> one than the one we were living that night. All right, Brennan, before we get off topic, I want to know what you've been before. doing. <laughs> I want to know what you've been doing with quarantine. What is the most bizarre thing you've done to pass the time? Hmm. Bizarre. That's an interesting question. I've stayed pretty conventional, man. Like, I haven't. I uh, have two video game systems. I, uh, I'm i trying to find their, like, I recreate, you know what I'm saying, Colorado? Mm-hmm. Like, um, what? I recreate? I, you know, like... No, I don't know what that is. I smoke weed. Like... <laughs> I, I, yes. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm I like every other hope. NBA player right now where I'm, like, willing to speak about my weed consumption because for some reason the NBA not worrying about it means I don't have to, which is completely not true, Look, but I man, feel I okay about you know, it now. I like to think mine's responsible. It's all legal here, but in quarantine season, all, you know, gloves are off. So, I, I've had... I mean, the truth is I've stayed very busy with work at DNDR. Yeah. We're fortunate... Uh, we're grateful for all the support we receive from from sponsors, investors, but most importantly, you know, our members and, and the new members who have joined. So I've been busy with that. But outside of that, man, I mean, the video game well runs pretty deep, especially when one recreates. So I, I've been okay. <laughs> recreates man. is such a funny word. You know? We're just getting high. <laughs> there's books, there's games, there's, uh, you know. I'm keeping If busy. you feel like recreating like Brendan Terrapin Care Station is there, there you for go. you, a longtime supporter of this exact podcast. You're welcome. D-Wade <laughs> to LeBron. <laughs> Put it up. Arms in the oh, air. Oh, God, it's a great look. But 
the weirdest thing I have done. Are you ready for this? Yeah. I have watched like eight seasons of Survivor because apparently I didn't know this Survivor as a binging show is so much better than a week to week because like shit blows up at tribal council and suddenly you get to go right to the next one. And it's also (laughs) significantly better recreating as you continually keep saying that show and watching humans just like devolve on an island is incredible. So my new thought is this. I'm going to be on Survivor, and I'm going to win a million dollars. Would you, you bet that I can win this? I've seen you tweet about this. I wanted to tell you, first of all, uh, no, you won't. <laughs> and, Why? Why? And, I, and when you do, let me know. I'll get that custom prop bet up on DraftKings Sportsbook. <laughs> and oh I'm going to smash God. the whatever no way button is. Why would I not win? Why? <clears throat> I'm, like, just mediocre enough to get to the end and a nice enough guy to win. My my thoughts are that your urban survival skills are off of the charts, whereas your your My survivor surviving skills. <laughs> yeah, the real survival skills are probably not as sharp. And that's why I was going to ask you if you wanted to go to the forest when the pandemic was over with and learn how to make fire with me without flint. No. <laughs> I want to go to. Candlelight. You don't want to build a shelter out of nope. bamboo with me. I want to get fine. smashed at candlelight, lose <laughs> at darts, and walk to my house. Well, if you couldn't tell by the sound, I was unscrewing my bottle of whiskey. Brendan, cheers to you for your Thank birthday you. because we cannot be at Candlelight Tavern right now, enjoying ourselves. This cheers, has been a Brendan. loose start, by the way. A lot of no, a lot of talk about substances, but it is my birthday, so I just want mm-hmm. the people to know. And it's also a pandemic, and that shot felt good, man. I wish Jameis... We need to get Jameson a sponsor of this podcast. That's what I need in my life. Folgers Coffee and Jameson Whiskey. Yeah, I'm... I'm, um, Did I keep accidentally doing reads on your show? I'm about to do another one. (laughs) I'm actually all in on Strava. Are you going to do a Strava coffee? (laughs) CBD infused. Here's the thing about CBD. It's possible it's not real and doesn't work. Just Are don't you tell claiming me. a placebo effect for CBD? Just don't tell me. I don't care either way. I'm going to go too is- deep again. We're already off the rails. I'm going to go too deep again. I worked for a dispensary for four years. Cannabinol is not a placebo effect. CBD works. If God, you need look, it, go that. look all, for it. All jokes aside, dude, I've been like, because um, we're stimulated dudes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we're we just kind of high energy and we drink a lot of coffee for our job. And so the anxiety really can get exacerbated the cbd really kind of takes the edge off in a way that doesn't like sacrifice any of my like mental acuity i really am just doing a read on your show i don't know what you- i've done like two and you've done two and i haven't even gotten to the reads that i have to do yeah. so- <laughs> anyway enough about but, my sponsor so the whole reason that we're here nuggets wise is that brendan has a list of the things that most concern him about mm. the nuggets going forward i also have a list i will only be sharing my list if brendan has something that also is on my list the reason that i'm doing that is because i'm gonna to have multiple Nuggets media members on the show. Adam Mata is going to be on the show. Matt Moore will be on the show. Hopefully Harrison Wind and Kendra and all the people that I haven't texted yet will also be on this show. But we're going to try and connect a lot of dots about what is particularly concerning about the Nuggets right now and what they maybe can do to fix those issues going forward. So Brendan has a list of like, what, five? Is that what I told you? I don't remember what I, I told got you. seven and one of them's kind of nice. a joke. Even but better. also not a joke. Perfect. So let's just kick it off. I'm doing the Zach Lowe style and putting the entire onus on you to reveal your okay. list. So what's your first one? So not necessarily in any order. That's um, yeah, I'm not looking for order. This is not like worst to best. This is just things. 
Uh, okay, so I kind of have a bundle package here. Michael Porter Jr.'s health. Um, but I'm going to kind of cheat and also say mental health. Um, insofar as... I should reword this to be clear. Insofar as, like, that year was less than ideal in terms of playing time, communication. You know, just getting off to a confident start in one's career. So... Has that affected him at all? We don't know. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But but given like his obvious talent level, the way Malone handled him, maybe he doesn't have a problem with it, but maybe he does. And so that maybe um, represents some concern for me. And then health, which didn't appear to be an issue. I'm thinking, not a doctor, I'm thinking this mostly manifests in like long terms like longevity yes i agree with that i think he's going to be able to play basketball but can he play 10 plus years like that's where the doubt really creeps in i think but that look you have to be concerned like anytime this dude jumps or lands you're holding your breath the joel Embiid effect you're just always nervous when he hits the ground but this is so matt moore had me on the locked on nuggets podcast and we talked about this the one of the most important things to me to feeling better about Michael Porter's junior health is watching his athleticism get better and better as the season went along. Mm. It improved. Seemingly every week, it got a little bit better. And for me, that's about as important as it gets because that alone shows you that it is improving. It sure. is getting better. That doesn't speak to the longevity because years and years and years of stress on a back is always going to be nerve-wracking. But I think it was encouraging to see him I guess, progress the way that he did throughout this season in that mold. But I actually have this on my list as well, as I'm sure you can guess. But I want to expand on it because it's not just Michael Porter Jr. I put injury concerns, period. Yeah, me too. Me too. So Gary Harris, obviously. We can just throw that one out. We don't need to talk about that more. Gary Harris is injured a lot, and it's always lower body. Cool. We're done with that part of the conversation. (laughs) Jamal Murray, I am seriously concerned about. Yes, he's played a lot of games. Yes, he's been able to be on the court. Yes, he's fought through a lot of injuries. When do all of those ankle injuries catch up to him? Yeah, so I had this on my list as well. And I wanted to include what I'd like to consider a responsible uh, preface. Not attempting to push a narrative that Jamal Murray is injury prone. He's or this not. has been a con- the opposite, right? Or, or for whether he is or not, he's tough enough to play through it and does and has. So get that off out of the way. But yeah, it's almost like the Bryce Harper thing. He yeah. plays so hard. It's a great example. Which is awesome. But also, like, you're worth 170 mil going forward. Please don't hurt yourself. And so the way um, he had a harder time, I think, recovering from the Simmons injury than he's used to. Yes. Or, or maybe not recovering, just the pain, the way it lingered. And then he obviously tweeted midseason. He quote tweeted Wilson Chandler. And the tweet really reflected a, a awareness, right, about his body and longevity and and all the careful work it takes to play more than 10 years in the NBA. So I'm with you. Like it's more of a budding concern than a concern because he's stayed on the court. But yeah, like does that, does that add up? And I think you're onto something. And it's always ankle injuries, which is something that I feel like is an issue. Because, like, okay, let's play this with the Gary Harris mold, which is a terrifying proposition. Gary Harris had a groin injury and a foot injury that this continually exacerbated. We don't know if they are deeply connected, but he continually had injuries in the same spot. So whether it's connected or not, there is a common thread that you can pull on and see where this was able to lead to. Is Jamal Murray just 18 months behind Gary Harris's fall? That's concerning. And again, this speaks to Jamal Murray is not taking that many threes. 
Jamal Murray was not converting that many threes, and by the end of the season, he was not able to turn a quarter, or uh, turn a corner against very many people. And that all of that leads to my concern that maybe he's starting to inch towards this a similar trajectory that Gary Harris has had to deal with. I think the three point thing is still more of a um, let it fly or not thing. Personally, yeah, I agree but too. Generally speaking, I'm with you. Again hasn't been an issue the dude's gamer the dude plays but like you know what would be better than playing through ankle pain every night is not having ankle pain every night obviously so at some point it does become a concern for sure um do i do i go next uh yes did you have anything else to say say about michael porter jr's health i think that we should hit that for a second more yeah well you know as i list my more concerns that will kind of put the context in place here for why mpj kind of sits where he sits but on this list um, but given the rest of the, the the way like your your salary sheet looks here, MPJ reaching some level of stardom and staying available during his rookie deal is paramount. It's crucial, if not essential, to the Denver Nuggets. Essential, no, no, essential. You are hundred percent right. One day. This is also on my list. A legitimate second star, not someone that could be or is growing to be or maybe could be a legitimate, unquestioned second star. He's right, right. Yep. So, so let's continue on this thread because again, I think is this your you want to call this your second thing that concerns you is a second star. Is that kind of on that pathway? Yeah, I had it I had it written down as Jamal's contract, but it essentially is articulating the same thing. So, let and again, I'm happy you said that because I have Jamal Murray in the same conversation as well, naturally, because when you're looking about or when you're talking about a second star, Jamal Murray is the natural place to begin the conversation. I mean, the dude averaged like what, 19-4 and 5. Like he had a good year, like counting statistics wise, he was extremely productive. And I have and go ahead, go ahead. I always like to remind people for like whatever it may have done to the offense, which was potentially detrimental or ugly when it was a Murray offense, the best player on the team took the first month off and they kept winning games. And like they were very deep, but a lot of it was just how good Jamal Murray was. Yeah, he has won them games, but I almost liken it to um uh, what's the right comparison here? Without sounding like without just burning the Jamal Murray haters to the ground and having them come attack me all over Twitter. I do wonder if there's a little bit of the Lou Williams explosion to him. Where he has those days where he just completely wins you games. Like there's not even a chance that you win games unless Jamal Murray goes ballistic. I don't ballistic. think there's any doubt. Yeah, I think we've but, seen it. But I also think that he works against what a lot of the of what the Nuggets want to do offensively a lot of the times, and that's without even talking about his defense. Is that fair to say that it's either the Nuggets offense or the Jamal Murray offense? Is that kind of how you view it right now as well? I don't think that dynamic really reared its head or became an issue until this season. I thought last year Jokic and, and Murray had a great understanding of the balance between the two of them. Um, Murray seemed to understand more and more with each week, month, what Jokic's gravity could do for him and vice versa. And then, of course, by the time the playoffs rolled around, no one else could hit a shot. And so it had to be those two good dudes. But in a way, again, that felt very like they weren't taking turns. They were they were in sync. This year, it does feel a little bit more like, hey, is Jamal on or are we playing basketball? Um, but but some of that, I think, is, is in large part a product of the way Jokic approached the start of the season which kind of, you know, really asked if it, Murray to step up and maybe overcompensate in some ways. And, like, the healthiest version of this offense has a better balance, but 
in Murray's defense, like there was no balance. Jokic wasn't showing up. And so he just had to play his game to win games. Um, and so from there, I think they've just, it hasn't been a linear path into working back towards that Jokic ball. His adaptability is extremely concerning to me because yes, what you're saying is undeniably true. Nikola Jokic in the first, like November, December, in whatever October exists in the NBA schedule, he wasn't himself. And he that's was, very, was, very, very clear. He couldn't be bothered. He couldn't he be bothered. He was awful. No, no, he did not care yeah. about basketball from my perspective. And he was just so good that he still averaged 16, 8, and 7 or whatever right. it was in that stretch. But what Jamal Murray lacks is the ability to adapt as things continue. Because in February, when Nikola Jokic is just destroying worlds, there are still moments that you're like, Jamal, what on earth are you doing right now in these possessions? So this is my question. Is his maximum contract extension the reason for his change in play I don't, this season? It might be a factor. I don't think it's inform yeah, it's I don't think it's informing factor, everything yeah. he does, right? or dictating the way he's approaching the but, season. But it may have played a factor in I think it compounded with what I, I was talking about earlier, which is he got that contract early. The Nuggets said, we believe in yeah, you. We're really not worried early. about a potential 5 to 10 saved million. We just want you here. Then he shows up. One of the eight, nine best players in the world is like, yeah, you got it, bro. You know. So I, I yeah. just think that all created this environment of like, oh, word, it is my turn. And again, to his credit, they yeah. won a lot of games, but it just didn't translate to like, it didn't, we didn't see that healthy offense we're used to and, and we want to see in a Jokic system. So I, I think it's one of the biggest issues with the season being incomplete because the most relevant data would have been another 14 games in the postseason, right? Um, and, and we did see those, those, there was that stretch, that two weeks where Murray came back from injury and looked phenomenal. Dude, he was perfect for what they and were And so Jokic for. being on, MPJ being a part of the rotation, Murray playing well, those things didn't happen at the same time. Maybe they won't. Maybe we'll be playing whack-a-mole forever here in Denver. But until they do, and until meaningful basketball started again, I kind of wanted to, to wait and see like how I would grade Murray's approach to this year, if that makes sense. No, totally. So while we're on the second star part of the conversation, the most interesting part of this for the Nuggets is I don't think that Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic can be a big three in terms of how they fit on a court together. I think it's going to be Jamal or Michael. I don't think their skill sets, the way they play, the way they like to get their offense fits on a court together. And that is going to be such a fascinating part of how the Nuggets next year, two or three look going forward. Because if Michael Porter Jr. starts at small forward, he is going to want the ball in his hands very similarly as Jamal does. He's going to want to drive an ISO. He's going to want to pull up an ISO. He's going to want to face up in the post a lot of the way that Jamal does. And I'm so curious how that plays out because I think that their games are so similar that they won't fit together. So, again, the biggest bummer not getting to really see them all playing together, right? We don't mm -hmm. know. Largely unanswered. Mm -hmm. If not entirely unanswered. I hold out hope in that early on, it looks like Michael Porter Jr. doesn't need to be a high usage player so long as he's <laughs> getting buckets. This is something that I do not believe in because the second that he gets consistent playing time in a starting position and he starts scoring 22 a night because he's so right, God-given, it's all going out the window. That's a very fair response, but this actually all kind of funnels back to like 
a good, a reasonable explanation for why Malone has approached this the way he has. This is in Atlanta, so they're not going to be like, hey, Mike, can you score 25 tonight? Um, they're going to say, hey, Mike, how can you fit into Denver Nuggets basketball? There's a chance. There's a non-zero chance. He cuts off ball. He's an elite offensive rebounder. He has... He's more than willing to stand behind the three-point line and wait if the defense isn't going to guard him. So I just think he has ways of scoring in between the gaps that can work in a healthy Murray Jokic offense. But I share your... Of yeah. course I share that concern. And it's like why, again, not to, we all know it, but it's like one of the biggest bummers of, well, we don't get to see. We don't get to see. And now they'll have to go into next year when MPJ is potentially playing starter-level minutes or maybe closer to 20, whatever, and they don't have any further data on this. So it's tough, man. Yeah. And that's also without bringing in the fact that Tory Craig might not be in Denver next year. <laughs> Kata Bates-Jopp might how, not be in Denver how, next how year. Like, they the might Torrey all Craig of... Thing, you think, cannot be in so I, I, that's on my list of future financial situation for this Nuggets team because this is the issue. You're right now going to be discussing the idea of having... Tory Craig, Mason Plumley, Paul Millsap, all as free agents with Jeremy Grant with a player option and like $90 million in four players. So with all of the uncertainty of what this pandemic has done to the NBA, I don't know how you can quantify how players are going to make their decisions in free agency. So I have absolutely no idea how this is going. Yeah, to I mean, out. I think there's a reasonable chance that like, just to use him as the example, because he's on the Nuggets, I actually don't know if this is the case with him. Okay, maybe if I'm Grant, less money to be made next year, right? Um Yes, because so the cap player, lower, right? So, yeah, or, or going to be, or theoretically going to—I don't know if that's whatever. So, well, it's kind of like selling low. Like, why would you sell at the lowest the money is going to be in the NBA? And for also, this if I'm Jeremy Grant, like I great season, but I also was coming off the bench for a lot of it, and he, he did yeah. play starter level minutes at times, closed games. But hey, maybe I come back next year and I start. 75 games at power forward for denver and that mm -hmm. is a much juicier resume to take into free agency when yep. when potentially the financial situation is is leveled out so there's there's reason yeah. to believe guys are more likely to take short-term options and 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 not lock themselves into a long-term deal when they could possibly be leaving money on the table one of the most fascinating part of that is I look at Paul Millsap, and this is a guy who is 35 years old. He's going to be 36 in, in February. He might not want the one-year deal. He might look to sign a three-year mid-level exception with a team option in the third year. And the, so the, the dichotomies of how this is going to play out for players like Paul Millsap and players like Jeremy Grant, it's fascinating because Jeremy Grant right now is what, an 18 mil a year player, you know, ballpark, you know, give or take two million on each side. If he ends up coming out shooting 40% from three as a starter, blocking tons of shots and looking perfect with the nuggets, he might be a 20 to $25 million a year player. So I do think this is going to be a very interesting part of that situation. But we are not going to go to my list. Oh. What do you have next? I forgot about my list. Hang on. <laughs> um. Oh, wait. Actually, let me ask you one last yeah. question before we get there. If you had to bet right now, is it Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. as the second star? Or is it a big three? Um, It's a big th it's a big three. Uh, you think they I mean, can look, fit? man, to put it simply, and this is like, it almost is dumb to put it this way, but I feel like most people would agree. I just don't see Jamal as the second best player on the title team. I think a 6'11 wing with 
elite rebounding and like probably 40 plus percent from deep ability that guy just has the higher ceiling and 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 so yeah and obviously he has all the talent it's not just the the, the frame and i'm sorry he's already shown more tools defensively than jamal murray has in his now murray career. has a a lot more fight and bite in him and 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 i and agree so, with that you know like so i think joe rush was was replaying that or live tweeting the fourth quarter from that philly comeback today mm-hmm. and you know there's a couple possessions where murray's guarding and beat in the post now he's screwed. There's not much he can do, but he goes to war and he draws an he draws an offensive yeah. foul. He's not afraid of it. So like those are things where I believe Michael loves basketball, but I do believe Jamal is a dog, and I'm not sure if Michael is. Or I, in that I same say, vein, Michael Porter Jr. had the fearlessness to block Giannis yes. twice in the when same I, game. So like, and even if he's not the grittiness, there's the length, just I, the skill, I, just being Michael. And when Porter I say Jr. I'm not sure about Mike, I mean that. In the literal secrets of those words, I don't know. I don't mean I'm. In, mm-hmm. I don't think he can. You know what I'm saying? There's just so many unknowns yeah. about him, so it can sound like you're implying he will or won't get there. Um, I don't know, man. He he has those tools. Sure. I mean, look. It, I think in playoff basketball, with the exception of like a Steph Curry, the six eleven guy just matters more. So, um, I agree. Yeah, I I, agree. I, I think it's. I think it's Michael, but the real answer is I don't care as long as the three of them are good enough. As long as the <laughs> as long three as are one good of them. Enough. Okay, so so if one of them works and the other doesn't, how do you feel about that? Sorry, last question on this okay, topic. So and we'll move on to the next. Because of the things I just said, I actually think Michael Porter Jr. on this team would be better as the third best player than Jamal, who I think would because mm. Jamal at this point that's I think fascinating. At this point, Jamal is used to the higher usage thing, ball in his hands. Um, he's not really used a lot off ball and yeah, I agree. and I, I think like that is Mike's NBA experience so far. So that's a fascinating I don't think you want to contain that talent to just being a role player, but like in the early stages, like next season when he's just entering that rotation with heavy minutes, I do think that's kind of going to be the way it looks like. I love this because the Pacers back in the day, Paul George was good. He was young. He was freakishly talented. Danny Granger was the one who got the majority of those minutes, and he played behind. And that was incredibly important to allowing him to develop the skills to be an off-ball player despite being a superstar-level talent. If he can follow that mold, man, like, the Nuggets have something truly special. Yeah, I mean, if he can be, like, this sells him way short, right? But an elite 3-and-D-type player that... Yeah, no, for sure. When I say elite, the three is doing a lot of heavy lifting. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. There's a world in which he slides into this in a way that, like, we just haven't seen Jamal had to do. Like, pretty much since they gave him the green light and the keys to the offense, it's been an on-ball thing. Um, And and unless that off-ball is, like, cutting off of Yoke, which is, like, different. You know what I mean? Then. But that's just that's like give and goes. Like you're still the initiator. Right. Like you're not playing off the ball. You're playing off of Nikola, which is are a very you different the thing. Nuggets and like there are off ball screens to free up Jamal to be open from deep. It's one of my most. It's like my biggest pet peeve with this Nuggets team and how their offense ran this season. There was no off ball action. I don't know where it went. Like they did so much off ball screening, and they. You know what's funny? They do it for Michael Porter Jr. They don't do it when he's not on the court. And again, that's kind of anecdotal. I need to go back and really look at it and say that but, with like But just my biggest point is they don't but, use Jamal that way. Whether they could or could not, they yeah, don't. Yeah, exactly. And so like, I don't know. 
And to be fair, in the same vein, Gary Harris, Will Barton, uh, Jeremy Grant even, like they don't run those sets for a lot of their auxiliary players. And I feel like that's something that needs to shift going forward. Okay, I think we've exhausted this. What's your next one? Um, Voices losing impact. So so the right people can say the right things. And all of a sudden in year four or five, they're saying the same stuff. It's the same person and it's not resonating. And I think that's just kind of human nature, especially in any sort of collaborative effort, whether that's creative, professional mm-hmm. sports or otherwise. Um, so again, all hypothetical, right? Not attempting to... Of course. These are all concerns in the future. We're assuming and conjecting, sure, right? or conjecting quite right. a bit not, here. For not sure. attempting to imply I've seen this, but... Right. My, let's, next year, Michael Malone comes back and he's riding these guys about the second efforts on defense. Like, at what point are these guys tired of hearing it from Mike? Or it falls on deaf ears. Michael, I should say. So, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? And and especially with holding each other accountable, um, they seem to be getting better at it and a little more vocal as time goes on. But, like, fresh voices is a real thing. And I think continuity can breed complacency. I think Malone used those words himself. That, that double-edged double thing edge you talked about, sword, for sure. TJ. The thing that you asked him, by the way, when I was with you in New York, in Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, I, I'm with you. Don't worry. He roasted you for that and then proceeded to talk yeah. about it on a conference. Hey, man, I know my place. Yes. Um. <laughs> Plus, middle of the season, talking about that compared to, like, the season's over, maybe. I don't know is a little oh, bit yeah, different, yeah. I think, in this, in this circumstance. Whatever, for sure. It's all learning experiences. <laughs> it was a great question, though, and it was important It's important, important for any time. young writer um, to get absolutely roasted in front of Zach Lowe because it's really good for your confidence. <laughs> Zach Lowe is one of the nicest human beings on this earth. I know, so like I don't even think he re- like realized that that yeah, happened. I but d- didn't regardless tell of my that anxiety fact, that. Um, but yeah, so voices losing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like with this take. No, I do. Like I'd even go back to the Clippers, where they had a lot of dominant voices, a lot of people who can step in and change the way a team operates. It didn't matter even for them. Chris Paul got too abrasive. DeAndre Jordan was too loose. Blake Griffin was just always stuck in the middle, and they just got to a point that it got stale, yeah, and they yeah. had to break it up. And there's always going to be that concern. But this is this is one thing I find very interesting about the Nuggets. They don't have abrasive locker room personalities. And I think that's one of the most important things. Coaches can be expected to be in that mold, and you can deal with it. I do agree with you that, like, when Malone is screaming get back on defense in February playing against Minnesota on the road, that's going to get very old for the Nuggets very quickly. But... I don't think the players, I think the fact that the locker room is not so abrasive that it allows Malone to kind of take that mantle without being overbearing. Oh, I think so. You know what, though? I'm not even concerned with the overbearing so much as I am about just the numbness. Like, the message is the same. I was receptive to this message three years ago. I'm just not hearing it because it's, you know what I'm saying? It's the same voice, the same way. No, for sure. Year five, like, so I don't know. And I don't mean to put that all on Malone, too. I just mean voices in the locker room, the whole thing, um... Well, they need other people to be abrasive to make it not fall on deaf ears. It's not Malone's fault that he doesn't right. have players who also take and, up you that know, mantle. Dynasties have like done different things to shake it up, right? To to change up the roster to, to yeah. let's bring in more veterans. Well, look at the look at the last dance where they made massive right. trades to make Michael Jordan in a more uncomfortable situation, and or it like, worked. The end of the bench is, is, hey, let's change. So we had all those veterans that were ring chasing, but they just got their ring. Let's swap them out. For some new guys who haven't, yeah. right? And they need that hunger and all that. So, like, that stuff doesn't just apply to dynasties and champions. So the Nuggets are in year four, year five 
of this very like highly successful rebuild and this foundation is here but at some point you might need to shake things up or you're going to keep getting the same result it's a very vague and general point but i do think uh, most of the media and, and probably some of the fans have this concern no, it's very real. And this is so let me ask you this. Do you expect a big shift this offseason? So to be de- So lots of free agents, lots of options, lots of things to be that determined could because I don't do so the real first question to me is do we have the playoffs? And then my follow-up question would be how did Jamal and Gary look in the playoffs? You know what I'm saying? And then that would say especially and Gary. then that would that would the follow-up question okay, they were bad. Well, who are we trading them for? Or okay, they were good enough, we shouldn't make this trade. Without the playoffs, I just don't know. You know what I mean? Are the Because the Nuggets, yeah. I don't think, are any closer to knowing if they need to make that final step or if this team is good enough because this season just stopped. So how do you... Yeah, the Nuggets were uniquely positioned to have no questions right. answered, which was an incredibly difficult spot for them considering how uncertain things are right now in the league. Like, this is unprecedented levels of uncertainty, and they have to go into it without any of the questions they had before the pandemic right. answered. Like that, I actually just tweeted that. Like, how do you approach this free agency period? Who do you trust? Who do you fall back on? Who do you like, actually legitimately? Because by the way, in? if Jamal and com- that's a if Jamal comes bet. out and lays it down for fourteen games, like the way he did in that Portland series, maybe not defensively but offensively, yeah. then like yeah, people like me have to start going. Okay, maybe he is good enough to be one of the two or three best players on a title team. Me too. Because I've been one of his detractors. Like, he's an an incredible amount of things. Great. And I'm not going to take that away. As a second star playing alongside Nikola Jokic is an extremely unique position to be. And that's a very difficult role to play because Nikola is Nikola and you're not changing Nikola because Nikola is Nikola. So having to completely build your game around him is difficult. Like, I don't think anybody would ever argue that. And Jamal, as you know, he is such a baller at heart that like everything is feel everything is like the artistry of it there's no like these aren't mathematicians when they enter a court and i think this is lost a lot when it comes to well why doesn't this player play this way they never have these are basketball players who have been this player and and, like professional coaches and teams are getting these guys pretty late in their development and so let's shift it to another sport right for example like like um Derek Jeter's swing like isn't technically perfect mm-hmm. but are you going to tell Derek Jeter to change the way he plays baseball like probably probably not exactly. so and, and Jamal yeah. kind of like that i mean Jamal crosses that threshold he was a blue chip Kentucky good enough top 10 pick you let him do what he does and like i think coaches Jamal i'm not in t- attempting to imply he's not coachable or anything and i'm sure these coaches are it's putting not all that, that effort all, yeah. in but they're not sitting there re explaining or reteaching the game to this kid they're trying to figure out how he fits into what they want to do without with they don't want him to stop being himself or what got him here right and i want to make it so clear that coaches shouldn't do that when you start trying to change a person at their fundamental self you're gonna sometimes when you see jamal i think getting in trouble he is thinking too much all these conversations around him about Mm -hmm. him with him from the coaching staff I'll never forget the quote he said where he was trying too hard to be a distributor and he lost how right. he plays the game. He was so revealing when, when I he think said that, I thought. You just have to understand that Jamal is more of a scorer than a distributor. Never going to be Chris Paul. And thus, at times, the best route to him being a good playmaker is just scoring a lot because it opens up passing lanes. So, 
Well, that's what happens. When he hits more threes, all of a sudden you're pulling them out. You can play pick and roll at Jokic. You have more room for your pocket pass, and Jokic is now guarded one-on-one. Like, that's literally how these repercussions fall out. It's just he hasn't been the player that Nuggets fans and, honestly, coaches and executives in a lot of ways had hoped that he would play with Nikola. That doesn't mean they don't like Jamal. They love Jamal. When Jamal got the max contract extension, I was told it was not because he is a max contract now and it is not because he will be one next year. They have full and complete faith that by the year three, by the year four, by the year five, he is fully paying up to And now that I'm of the, the opinion that they also didn't really have a choice but to hand out that deal and, and to and take I agree that, with that bet. I agree with that. You know, they also don't do it if they're positive the answer is no. And I, again, like, I've come on so many podcasts and talked about how Jamal's not good enough. Jamal might not be good enough. Like, there's, and that has a lot to do with us watching this specific basketball team play 82 games a year, knowing who their best player is, and trying to figure out how Jamal fits into that. Not like, is he talented enough? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, he's undeniably talented enough. The hard thing about covering the Nuggets is how do you fit with the most unique center to and so ever there play the game? Because the point of attack defense is lacking. The playmaking is at times lacking. He's a great scoring guard, but he's not a three-point shooter. Um, and and so these things are issues. But 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 like yeah, we're talking about Drew Holiday, Bradley Beal. Back them down to age twenty-three, year three-four in the league. They did not look like they do now. And so it is unfair to say right now that Jamal Cantor won't get there. I don't believe it would thrill to be wrong, be thrilled to be wrong. And I know that that's on the table. So again, not to belabor this point, but losing potent- another potential 14 playoff games is just the worst thing that could have happened. How does Tim make the big decision? We keep talking about the big decision. What is informing that now that wouldn't have been a year ago? How is he supposed to do this job? That's what's so hard. I do not envy Tim Connolly. I, I personally really want to run an NBA team one day. I feel like everybody who does this job like loves I the don't. idea of that. I don't when it comes to this when For it comes this, to yeah. these decisions. How do you like th- think about it this way? Like Troy Daniels is an unrestricted free agent who played zero minutes for you, who could maybe help, but you don't know. Do you cut him and just have let they, him hope have that maybe he doesn't end up on Troy his ass? Daniels? Like, what's up with that? <laughs> he, he played one game for them out of, like, the yeah, three yeah, he was yeah. active. So he was around. Like, he existed. It was at like the Jordan McRae, like, Nuggets legend Jordan McRae, Nuggets legend Troy Daniels, Nuggets legend Shabazz Napier. Like, they're all going to exist like that, but it's tough. And Tim Connolly is a unique GM or president of basketball operations in this way that he has relationships with players. This isn't just like an executive that is making decisions for you up top. Like those things are hard. And I do not envy no, Tim Connolly I, I, at yeah. all. Um, all right, I'll keep this moving along. Um, this yeah, one is a one little more of a brief point because the offense, um, we talked about this, too predictable. This was a really versatile yeah. offense a couple of years ago. It is now dribble handoff, Jamal, Nikola, what what happened? What happens? Um, not enough Jokic on the short roll. Not enough of that action leading to a corner three. Um, I missed that. Not man. enough oh. ooh, the balls popping today moments. And, like, that's going to be an issue because if I'm a Western Conference playoff team, you know how high I am on, on the likes of Will Barton and, and, and all these types of players. But if I'm a Western Conference team, I do not fear them, you know? And so I am game planning around navigating that Jokic Jamal DHO and like whatever. If Will Barton goes off, he goes off. They're they're predictable right now. So let me ask you this: Is the 
I can I feel like I can chalk up seventy percent of the reason why they're predictable to one thing: they are not hitting threes and they're not creating consistently them either. enough. Consistently that alone, enough. that yep. alone. Yeah, exactly. And like, don't get me wrong; they have yep. those like hot games because I like think their season and you're like, percentages like aren't dreadful. But again, we know that this offense should generate like wide open knockdown threes, and they're not. This team should be unquestioned a top five offense start to finish throughout the year. There is no reason talent wise why they should not be there. Like I'm, I maybe I'm being too optimistic about how talented they are. I don't see any scenario in which they should be below five. They are that talented. They fit together that well. It's on them for that. And this is my thing with the three point shooting. If three pointers aren't falling, you're sagging off, which means Nikola Jokic cannot create on the short roll nearly as often, and you're playing isolation basketball. That is what happened. So this is my thing. It's it's not about getting more three-point shooters. I don't. I, I, they, you need more three-point attempts. You need someone who can break down a fucking defense. They don't have that guy who can just turn a corner, bring in a guy or two, and you, kick. Nikola Jokic is incredible. At, and that's he's not, the only one. And this is not at fault of Will. He's the yeah. only one. If you only have one, you just sag off to and that and side and of the court. It's not that simple. One. It's in his bag, but it's not. He does it yeah. because Jamal and Gary don't. You know. You'll see Jamal and Gary get to the rim, but how often do they just break the guy down in front of them and turn a corner? That's the thing. They need a screen or they're right. attacking to close out. It's the only two times that they right. actually get there. And so, yeah, so it's, it's so, yeah, that's obviously a big need. So Michael Porter so, Jr. is no duh, the wild card in this. How, how different does the offense look if he's playing 20 minutes a night? So, the, but, but until we see that, yeah, I am concerned because this Nuggets defense they have to play so hard to be a top yeah. 10 or an elite defense. And that can be done in the regular season and should be lauded and applauded. But it's not like it's, it, it is fool's gold. Like you cannot call this an elite defense. And, and if the offense isn't top five, it's not going to happen. So the predictability is a concern. I had sustainability of defense on my list as well, because they may they had a great start to the season. Also, every team in existence missed every corner three yeah. against them. They gave up so many. And this is the thing. I give Wes Unsell Jr. an incredible amount of credit. He is doing something that should fundamentally not work in the NBA to allow his star player to be in the best position possible. They are full out just selling out at the point of attack and trying to not let guys get by them then they're immediately scrambling for 20 seconds at the back end of it does that issue alone lead to the offensive difficulties that it's part of had? It. it's part of it i think they're just grinding and there's so much focus i on think they're exhausted that to the point where like any miss on offense is deflating because now we're going back to do that nonsense mm-hmm. again um yep yeah no definitely man i, I just think this team is good enough to have a top 10 defense. They are not good enough to do that yeah. and be themselves casually, offensively at the same time. So it's a credit to Malone, Wes Unsell Jr., the roster for the defensive turnaround. But, like, is this team's path to a championship and elite D as constructed? I don't think... I've never thought so. How does that happen? So. I think they need to outscore people. But, and and at the moment... I agree. They're not. By. I look back at, like, old Nuggets teams, and I'm like, why can't you just be more opportunistic defensively? Be more aggressive in particular circumstances. You don't need to be, we're going to lock you down and beat you 98 to 104. Like, that doesn't 
that's not going to be sustainable for this Nuggets team. But if you can be opportunistic and save your energy for the fourth quarter and lock teams down yeah. like they were doing, that's and how I, you win basketball games. I think games. they figured that out at some point. Like, okay, yeah. we can't give Malone what he wants every night for four quarters. <laughs> but if it's timely enough, this is a path to winning any any particular game in a vacuum. So in the playoffs, we're trading buckets for three quarters. Did we stay close enough? Are we ready to lock down now? They have some of that in them. I just don't think the staying close enough happens until this offense becomes more unpredictable, really. I agree. I agree. It's the only way they'll be, they'll be at their best, in my opinion. Do you have anything else? I thought did, don't, you have more, I have right? Three have more, more. They're like kind of they're kind of quick. Ooh, but, let's keep. Um, let's will do ownership it. pay for it? Um, Another one to on keep my list. it around to acquire it to fill in the blank. So we yes. keep giving Josh Conkey credit for what appears to be a far more competitive attitude than his successor and his father or his predecessor yes yeah predecessor <laughs> the yeah. chin's starting to hit um <laughs> hey i caught myself so his dad stan um <laughs> you know what i'm saying so and, and i believe in all that but yes yes 100 percent. Like, i agree with you uh also man did it feel like a lot of minor transactions this year were to avoid the tax altogether and i Okay, sell me on, well, we don't want to start the repeater tax clock until we have to. But, and that's, and that's fair, fair. I think that's fair right now. But I also right think now. it's fair right to now. say, I'll believe it when I see it with regards to the Cronkies and opening the wallet. And it's also fair to say that this Nuggets team, if they didn't sell off both Wilson Chandler and Gallo just to get under the tax, if you had just one of them, this team is significantly more terrifying Possibly. going forward. I also like... And again, this is also like, you know, of course, hindsight. If they're willing to go into the. But it's the idea that you sold them off. But if they're willing to go into the tax for the the right team, then I understand that move of like, hey, let's kick that can down the road because this isn't. Yeah, I agree. So let's fast forward. Let's let's fast forward to this offseason. You're going to have Mason Plumley, Paul Millsap, Torrey Craig, Jeremy Grant, um, Kata Bates Drop, Noah Vonley, Troy Daniels, and potentially Monte Morris with an unguaranteed year on his contract coming up, all looking for either new contracts or are free agents in some capacity. This is going to be the time that we find out because this is the other part of it. They have bird rights for yeah. every one of them. They could bring back the right. whole team if they were willing to spend. And we're going to find out very quickly how they feel about this. Because if the money of losing that they've lost throughout this pandemic is something that concerns them, which it should. It will be. This is the, it will be. Okay, this is, it will be. This is the Cronkies who married the Waltons. This is like the richest conglomeration of families that exist. There is no reason for them not to run it back if they have no other options. And if they don't, it is going to be crystal clear that this Nuggets ownership group does not believe this Nuggets can win a title right now, or they will never be willing to which, pay Which, again, period. dude, if the playoffs are happening right now and the Nuggets go to the Western Conference Finals, Game 6, Game 7... I believe Josh Crockett yep. goes, okay, I'm in, let's do this. Or calls his dad and tells him, hey, we're in, let's Without do this. Without this but, yeah. happening, I am significantly more unsure, right? And and I agree. that kind of concerns me. Like, the, you don't, it's unfair because it was just the regular season, and a lot of this is expectation psychology. But where the Nuggets were when they ended that season, I think a lot of people would say disappointing, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but... If I'm ownership, do you look at that and go, oh, this is a title team? Without without that playoff run that re-inspires you, I think the answer is no. So it does scare yeah. me. It does scare me. So this is my prediction. The Nuggets are going to lowball every free agent they have this offseason. They're going to lose most of them. 
They're going to think that they, they can play the uncertainty card because they don't have the money to spend because they can't I think, go to the tax. I, think, I don't think Plumlee comes back. I don't think, I don't think Plumlee comes back. Paul. What about, I, what about I have, Paul? I have Paul and Grant both coming back. I do too. I think Paul will end up taking a three or four year deal with team options in the last one or two years. All I know is like exception. I do we spent all happens. season trying to find like speculation. We spent all season trying to find creative ways of asking Paul if this is the place he wants to be and the what, the team he's on. And then someone just straight up asked him on Instagram a month ago, and he was like, "Oh yeah, no, I'm coming back." <laughs> so it's it's infuriating, isn't it? That like some random fan on a Q and A on Instagram gets a better answer than I know. trying I'm to get like, all. I should have just asked him. I thought. <laughs> He would have gotten that. Um, but yeah, he said it um, coyly. He said yeah, it. He, he stated it explicitly. Paul Millsap would like to win a title. Paul Millsap believes this is the group that can finally get him there. I don't understand. And it fits his personality. So now, like, is a Warriors-like team, you know, offering Paul a deal? Things change. But f- I would say for, like, 90 to 95% of the league... Paul would look at that offer and say, why do I want to hit the restart button right now? So I think... Yeah. Well, this is the thing. What if the Lakers call? This is a very real possibility if you're going to have the money that's much lower and guys willing to take less because of the basketball-related... I think what it does is it drives up Millsap's price. But I... Really? I don't think think that. You think the Nuggets have a number and they won't cross it? Yeah, for sure. I think that... I, I mean, this is. let's be honest about where they've been. Like, they haven't shown anything else, right? I mean, the Millsap signing is, I mean, it's tough because it has categorically, objectively worked out. Don't let... I think yeah, I can make an argument it's the most important move they've made like, other than yeah, drafting the please, you know, I have my media bias of my own, but like, stay woke. Like, don't let anyone tell you anything. Like, that contract was worth it. But that doesn't, that can be the case and he's still where he's at in his career. And going forward is a mm-hmm. completely different question. So there should probably be a hard cap on that number. Um... Yeah, that your Lakers question is kind of like the Warriors of old scenario I was trying to, to propose, which is mm-hmm. like yeah. maybe a a top 1% contender wants Paul. But I think for the most part, unless that happens, the Nuggets are exactly where the team he wants to play for, exactly where he wants to be. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with it. And I agree with your, with your thing about is ownership going to be willing to do this? That's going to come down to be one of the most important factors if the Nuggets win their first title. I look at the Rockets as the best example of this. Leslie Alexander, the owner before Tillman Fertitta, that useless whatever Whoa. he is. Bro, what if I, Tillman uh, listens to I'm not Blue even going to start this. Please, God, please come on so I can just roast you, know you what, Tillman, pieces sh- for a couple hours. Just, I would enjoy that Just shut so up and much. listen. <laughs> but seriously though the only reason the Rockets had an opportunity to dethrone the dynastic Warriors dynastic. team in game 7 of the Western Conference Finals was because Leslie Alexander bought 7 players for nothing because they were unguaranteed contracts and traded them all to get them he spent millions upon millions to get Chris Paul and give them a chance then they still have for Tita, who can't even keep his restaurants open and suddenly now they're cutting Daniel House just to cut Daniel House to bring him back because they're trying to escape the tax because no, he doesn't fine. have they're any money like, that, that is really so important almost won them a title so they're fine after having them on a lame duck this whole season like those issues yeah, are dude, owner, real oh, oh, and owner, if you don't ownership matters a lot a lot more than people want to give credit i to mean look man you can own a sports team and you're not going to lose money don't let anyone you may lose money like year to year but like when you sell this team <laughs> yeah. 
the equity of the league has grown so much that like just their equity number that yeah. exists within the team None is so much higher. Losing money ever. What did what did the Cronkies spend to buy the Nuggets? I want to know this. You want to do some live googling? All right, I'll I'm get my intern googling. on it. Hey, if Kyle. you can't hear this, <laughs> I don't have an intern. Um, you do it. I'll fill. I'm typing. I'm so curious. But yeah, now. I mean, so again, like it's in a tough spot because I actually, like we said earlier, I still think there's a chance that the right moment to go into the text has not appeared, like materialized yet. And so I will wait to like criticize Josh, but I, you also For can't sure. ignore the history of the Crockies and the way this team has been run. You can't look at that. You can't have that context and feel confident about their long-term investment in what should be an easy sell job to the city of Denver. I agree. I agree. So here it is. The Nuggets purchase or the Stan Kroenke and Lewis real estate developer and Walmart Air, they created a deal for $450 million to buy the Nuggets. This team is worth well over a billion right now. So when they come out on Forbes and they say, yeah, we're 1% profit as an organization. Like, no, you've actually doubled your equity like in the company. So that's an important 1%. part of it. That's why Leslie Alexander sold. He was like, cool, we're a $1.5 billion company now. Let's sell. But... Uh, do you yeah, have anything one. else? Um, Jokic retires. I okay. <laughs> it's not on my list, but I almost. I don't put really it. think this, but I'm gonna make this. Do you I really mean, not? I've exhausted this joke on every platform that is foolish enough to let me <laughs> on. But like, yeah, dude. Like the way here's how I put it. I'm not expecting it, but if you said, "Yo, Brandon, pick one athlete that would get his big payday and then just like call it a day." I would say Jokic. Yeah. Not for lack of love of the game, well, he, for lack of love of the United States of America and people like you and me. Well, he spoke to a Serbian newspaper that he hates the, like, I can't remember the what he called it. They're like, the circus it's of the NBA. It's actually one of my favorite, like, you got to do some, like, really deep Googling and then translating, but he's, I mean, would you believe it? He's far more, like, articulate in his native tongue and insightful and, and, yes. um, the way he spoke about the NBA, I couldn't agree with more. Despite the fact that I'm part of this machine as a media member, mm -hmm. he's 100% right. It's a circus. We care about Jokic while Jokic is here because of what he gives us. But if he wasn't here, we would care just as much about whoever's filling his shoes. And I, yes. you know, and, and the way he resists the idea that we he should be considered interesting or really anything other than a good basketball player... Um, not unlike Kevin Durant, you know? Um, oh, wait. <laughs> I'll, wait, not like that at all because Jokic is a, a dick. Um, but, I like, that to me gave me a lot of insight. Like, Jokic's attitude towards us isn't just petulant. I mean, like, philosophically, I think he's on point. So I think it's a really I cool agree. interview. And, and, and that actually is what I mean. Not, yeah, I'm done with basketball. I'm done with the circus when I have enough money to do yeah. the horse thing for as long as I want. He's a billionaire in Serbian Dinar right now. This is the other thing about this. I could totally see Nikola Jokic going back to Serbia and playing for Mega Vizura just to play basketball and play for their national team and just be like, you know what? The NBA isn't what I want to do. I got a mass contract. I made my $156 million or whatever what? it is. And I'm going to go own horses, I'm going to play for Mega Vizura, and I'm going to try and beat the United States in, in But my, my final real point, though, also, um, you know, I talked to Vlaco a lot about Jokic, and he yeah. insists that Jokic 
cares and is competitive more than we'll ever know. And I think that's obviously... Wancho told me the exact same thing. Wancho yeah, was big, literally... Big, if you're with him every yeah. day, he has the appetite for this. Um, he just has no mm-hmm. desire to let us know that that's the case. He doesn't care if we know or not. Yeah. He's the guy that sees his own billboard and says, I don't want to be famous. Let Thrill be famous. I'll never forget that. But, quote you know, either. you, I think, had one of the best questions anyone's ever asked him in terms of following up about what does motivate him when he said that it's not winning or losing. I can't remember how he answered it initially. It's not losing that motivates me. And you ask him, like, well, what does? And he didn't even say winning either. He's, like, his answer, he yeah. attempted to say the process, I think. The process of self-betterment yeah. and then duplicating that process within, like, a team environment and, and, and different people working towards that shared goal. He actually is in love with that. And what I'm getting at is, like, I think Jokic wants to be an all-time great and wants to be a champion in a way that he'll never tell us explicitly. And and so at the end of the day, like, I actually, you just watched last year's playoffs. The dude is a dog. Like, oh, oh, yeah. basketball matters now? I want this. I want this. Yes, 100%. So the way I frame it is Nikola Jokic is in love with camaraderie. He truly and unequivocally believes that if everyone is thriving, he feels at his best. That's why he's so, um, what people call passive, is he's just actively trying to make everyone happy. Like, that's what he wants to do. The Joker thing is not because he's just hysterical. He's doing it because it makes him feel more comfortable when other people are laughing or happy around him. And I truly believe that is one of the core qualities of Nikola Jokic that makes him so unique on a basketball court. This guy... believes like believes in the beautiful game and 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 the spursian yes. ideal of hoops he said he wants to be the tim duncan of the nuggets like he believes a faceless in these army man his, his point is yeah and it's not true because everyone has their own tendencies and like I, th- I think he would know this but it shouldn't matter if it's jamal or Jokic. did did player a do the right thing in situation a and as long as the answer to that question is yes, then we are Gucci. Now, like, what I might yeah. think he needs to learn a little bit more is that in the NBA, that's not necessarily true. Um, it very of much course, matters 100%. who players A and B are as opposed to But it CD goes back to the Jamal Murray thing. Do you change him and does that change the way right. he plays? Because you need to let Nicola be Nicola to be at your best. But how player. cool is it, man, to have an athlete who I think does care about winning it's absolutely no desire to be the star of the show on the quarter off um does not need to score does not think he's interesting or should be heard from but believes in winning and believes in in team basketball in in so many ways this is the athlete we all whine and clamor for but he yes. also wears i'd rather be gaming shirts I'm like, yeah. I don't know, man. It's just a privilege for us, I think, to have any The any best parts about him make it most difficult for the Nuggets to be able to build around him. And that's the most fascinating part of this team, in my opinion. It's so cool to watch that dichotomy. Just, like, appreciate time. Jokic, because there's not going to be a lot of people like him, and it's not just because he's tall and he passes, you know? Yeah, well, talking to Arturis Karnaschovas about this, he says that he is the best passing center ever, and he played with Arvidas I mean, Sabonis. If there's anybody who has perspective on this, it's him, and he is that unique. Yeah, dude, it's a true, it's a true joy. So I, 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 I'm not worried he retires. I just hope he doesn't. 
Yeah, me too, me too. But I also, if it happened, I would not be surprised at all. And I cannot wait to get the call from ESPN 3030 about what the fuck happened to Nikola Jokic 10 years from now because that's going to be such a fun then, story. Uh, I'm going to bounce pretty soon, but I just added one more to the list. No, you're um, good. We're still in pandemic season in 2022. <laughs> yes, I know, man. This is what happens when you have a governmental system who doesn't try to help their people and have no yeah, precautions that stay in effect. Here's my here's my Ooh. take on this. Man. I have no clue. <laughs> so you know, none, I'm not none. We're not virologists. I'm not burrowed into any takes here. Um, other than that, this sucks. Yeah, and my take is this: I'm not planning to whenever whenever I come back to cover a game again. I'm just gonna wait and see when it happens because it might be six months, it might be two years. I genuinely do not know. Either way, man. Um, it's just yeah. fun to do this, man. I miss talking ball with you, and I'm happy that you got to come do this. And I'm sorry I kept you for oh, however long. It's gonna go watch the last dance. Um, oh my god, yeah. you got 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, but a pleasure, brother. All pleasure. Right. Let's close. Let's close this out. That's Brendan Vote of DNVR. Please plug yourself and your company. At real quick. Brendan Vote, B R E N D A N V O G T, at DNVR underscore sports, the DNVR.com, at DNVR underscore nuggets. I've got more to plug. Check out DNVR underscore gaming. We host tournaments, we stream tournaments. Brendan FIFA oh, yeah, champion. Xbox Open inaugural champ, your boy. And uh, check out DNVR underscore bets. DraftKings Sportsbook, the new official partner of DNVR. So your best plays out of the Colorado lines from RK and Andre Simone. You can't miss that. Uh, TJ, I miss you. I love you. And one day we will be having these shots in person. I cannot wait for that day, man. I hope you have a great birthday. Thank you again for coming on and talking for like however the hell long it's been. It's been an incredible amount of fun and enjoy the rest of your day. Guys, are you looking to last longer or maybe go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com right now. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work even faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in a pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here is a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-CHU.com, promo code BLUEWIRE.